Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. BBBY stock or Bed Bath and Beyond stock is the topic of today's presentation and the title of this slide says BBBY stock honey trap and for those of you that don't know what a honey trap is, it's basically this. So the older, more experienced gentlemen watching this video know that if a woman that looks like this comes up and starts talking to you, unless you're a famous football player, that ought to ring some red flags. So I'll give you an example here of a bog standard clip joint. And it dawned on me that not everybody knows what a clip joint is. So this is particularly useful if you plan to travel. So I'll give you an example. I was in Shanghai. This was probably 15 years ago on the Bund, you see here. Uh, this was when I was doing a, a study abroad session uh, during my MBA in Hong Kong, and I traveled to Shanghai to do some networking, and um, I had some time to spare before I was supposed to meet this gentleman, and I was walking around in my beautiful suit and my nice bag and everything that I had bought to look the part uh, as a banker on Wall Street and a young lady came up to me and started talking to me and asked what I was doing there and she had really good English and we talked for about 10 minutes and she was happened to be from the place that I was planning to go visit so I was traveling in China uh, more or less as a tourist and stopped off there to do some networking and I found it odd that rather coincidental that she was from the town I planned to go to and she seemed quite friendly. I wasn't overly familiar with China. That was my first time visiting there. And if I had more familiarity with Chinese women, I would have known that it was a uh, an exceptional event for someone that attractive to come up and just start randomly talking to somebody. So she uh, asked if I wanted to get a cup of coffee. I said, sure, I'm going down the road here and uh, we'll find a place and have a coffee. She said, no, I like this coffee joint around the corner is my favorite. Let's go there and right there that was the red flag and she had actually walked me down that path quite a bit but I knew as soon as she raised this idea of going to a particular place that this was a clip joint and if you're not sure what a clip joint is or you're not sure what happens after that um, what ends up happening is you'll go in there she'll order something you'll order something whether or not there's a menu doesn't really matter but uh, the tickets gonna come and it's gonna be I think that was somewhere in the range of 500 or 600 euros. I only know that because somebody who was doing an MBA at an exchange there in Shanghai had uh, been fleeced and had to pay that. And a bunch of uh, strong men come out, and they're going to make you pay. And if you think you're going to go to the police, they don't do anything. The police turn a blind eye. As a matter of fact, there's a picture online you can find of a time when in Soho in London they had a sign. The police put up a sign that says, you'll pay five pounds to go in there. You'll pay 500 coming out. Police can't do anything about it. And these are all over the world, Eastern Europe in particular, China. Anywhere you go, you'll find clip joints. So the takeaway there is if somebody asks you, male or female, doesn't matter, to go to a particular place and you don't know that individual, you don't go with them. So let's look at the elements of a honey trap. Um, it's a reward that's outside the norm. So they're promising you something that isn't typical. So Chinese girls aren't that easy. They certainly don't cold call foreign gentlemen and uh, try to establish relationships with them. Um, building rapport and establishing uh, confidence is all part of the, the honey trap. And of course, flattery will get you everywhere. And they do a lot of that. 
and they don't allow the mark to consider alternatives. So it's my favorite coffee joint. So when you look at a lot of the investment stories being sold on social media, there's elements of honey traps with them. And one of those would be Bed Bath & Beyond. Here you can see the historical performance of this stock. So somewhere around summertime of 2020, it turned into a meme stock, hit $35 a share. And today it's floated back down to 24 cents a share. And there's this promise in everybody's mind that, oh, it could return to the levels that it was at before. And you need to start thinking more like Warren Buffett, who very quickly, quickly learned there's a difference between investing in stocks and investing in companies. And when you look at this company, it's in a world of hurt. So look how their revenue is moving uh, in, the, in the absolute wrong direction. That's because for those of you that aren't familiar with this firm, it's probably only in the States. They sell overpriced uh, home decoration junk from China, more or less. And they've been outcompeted by um, online merchandisers such as Amazon, and they've run into a whole lot of trouble with their bricks and mortar stores. And you can see that here. Now, when you're going to value a business, this is a very important part of this presentation, which is going to address a common story that's being flaunted by people who are setting up a honey trap on social media. Valuing Bed Bath & Beyond or valuing any business is all about the ability for the business to generate profits in the future. So a basic indicator of a business's potential profitability would be the revenues, that's the money people are willing to pay for their product or service, and the cost of producing those revenues, what they say, cost of goods sold in accounting lingo. So when you take revenue minus cost of goods sold, you get a gross profit or gross margin. Then you need to subtract from that overhead, things like selling, general, and administrative expenses, what they say, SG&A. Here you can see very basic accounting numbers for Bed Bath & Beyond. So in any business, there's two ways you could increase profitability. You can either increase your revenues or decrease costs. So let's look at these basic numbers. You can see sales are on a massive decline. Last quarter saw comparables. When they talk about comparables, they're looking at stores that are in existence, their sales numbers compared to the previous period. Comparables were down somewhere like 30%. So people just aren't buying their junk anymore. So you can see that sales went down by 33%. This number here, non-comparables, takes into account closures. So they're closing dozens and dozens of stores because they're just not able to operate them profitably. Now, one problem you see here is that as they're closing stores, the cost of goods sold, what they say here, cost of sales, isn't keeping up with the revenue drop. So it's not decreasing at the same rate. That's a problem. Now, certainly there can be elements of costs incurred with closures and things like that, but the fact that cost of sales isn't decreasing at the same rate creates a problem when it comes to gross profit. Look how gross profit is dropping. That's what they have to work with for profitability. And you can see the year before in this particular period, that selling general administrative was just above gross profit, meaning if they could really control costs, they might be able to bring that down and, and just barely be able to eke a profit. But what's happening here, you see, is that gross profit has dropped dramatically. 
but selling general and administrative hasn't dropped enough. As a matter of fact, it's it's declining at the, the lowest pace of these variables. So this company is not moving in the right direction and they don't have a lot of time at all. We'll talk about that. Now, let's talk about your bog standard cheerleader. And there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that's quite edifying several days back. And I just pulled this right from the intro to the article. So there's this gentleman, I'm not going to try to butcher his name, but he's a Tunisian Uber driver in New York and quote unquote amateur investor active on social media who believes that this distressed company that's in a world of hurt will soon be acquired by a holding company associated with billionaire Ryan Cohen. This is a theory being flaunted on social media. I am very confident says this gentleman, and that's about as much evidence as he's going to provide you. And nice to see he's put his money where his mouth is, though he's going to regret it. He says, I'm loaded with shares. Well, that's probably not a good idea. Somebody from Tunisia working in New York is probably sending money to their folks back home, and they could certainly use that money instead of him pissing it away to hedge funds. So here he is, uh, this self-acclaimed social media influencer with uh, uh, 1,800 followers and following a large number of those individuals back. And here he is um, talking about how this isn't investment advice, but every single post on his Twitter account is cheerleading for this shit company. So, says the Wall Street Journal piece, uh, the heavy trading that you see right now with Bed Bath & Beyond, and that's why we chose to publish this piece. I came across the Wall Street Journal article and then saw just how much interest there was in this company and decided we'd take a quick look at it. There isn't any institutional interest, more or less. Uh, the two institutional firms that um, are holding uh, shares owned less than 5% of the combined company. The remainder of the owners are mostly individual investors, say analysts. And right now, all these individual investors need to vote on a reverse split that's going to happen so that Bed Bath & Beyond can raise uh, enough money they need to survive. And this uh, cheerleader said he's not going to vote because his vote isn't going to change anything it's like in politics. You can bet that all these cheerleaders will spend every single iota of their time posting things on social media trying to root their uh, sacred cow to success. But when it actually comes down to doing something that matters, they won't do anything. Uh, so a failure to obtain the approval for this reverse split proposal will likely force Bed Bath & Beyond into bankruptcy. They're very close, said the company saying that, and they say holders of our common stock would not receive any recovery at all in a bankruptcy scenario. That's pretty typical. And here they talk about how Bed Bath & Beyond, this is remarkable, issued more than 300 million shares, bringing their total number of shares from late January, early this, earlier this year, from 117 million shares to 428 million shares. Massive dilutions. And they're trying to sell even more hundreds of millions of additional shares in their last-ditch attempt to avoid Chapter 11. So go ahead and help yourself to that honeypot. But the smart investors wouldn't want anything to do with that. Now, the article goes on to talk about this uh, gentleman here who's said to be a professional investor who owns uh, unsecured bonds of Bed Bath & Beyond, which he purchased at around 9 or 10 cents on the dollar, so around a 90% discount. He's hoping that as a debt holder that he can get some recovery on that. So 
if this company most likely goes bankrupt, what they'll need to do then is liquidate their assets and use those to cover liabilities. This individual thinks that a near-term acquisition by anybody on social media, this theory that's being flaunted is crazy, and that the company has been taking advantage of people. Well, that's what uh, you can't blame them for doing that because as you learn in B school, the only goal of a business is to survive, and that's what they're trying to do. And this individual goes on to say that he doesn't know if there's a lot of examples of companies diluting shareholders right before bankruptcy. So what's Bed Bath & Beyond worth, actually? Well, it's their ability to generate profits in the future, which seems highly unlikely. They can barely keep the doors open. In the absence of that, so if they declare bankruptcy, it's the assets left over after debt is paid off. So you can just pull up some basic financials, their latest, and take a look at that. So here you can see they have $1.4 billion in merchandise inventories. All right, so discount that by 50 to 70% or what they'll need to get rid of all that junk that uh, people don't want to buy right now, which is the problem that the company's running into in the first place. Then you have property and equipment and operating lease assets. You can see those items there, major components of assets. And then look down under liabilities. You have long-term debt of $1.9 billion. All right, so... Operating lease assets and liabilities cancel each other out. So then you're left with their property and equipment, things like furniture, computer software, and their merchandise, liquidating all of that, hoping that they can cover the debt with that. And if there's something salvageable left over, that's what that one investor is hoping there will be and that he can make some money there. So for shareholders, if this company goes bankrupt, there will be nothing for them. So to the cheerleaders that are watching this video and are starting to think about the comments that they're going to leave. This isn't a pulpit for you to spout your BS. So everybody can do that over on Twitter and Reddit. Um, in terms of accusations about us being short, we're not. We don't never short any company. We're not financially motivated in any way to produce this video. We're simply trying to help out Tunisian taxi drivers who probably don't know any better. So if you're going to leave a comment, no speculating about future events, no drawing analogies to other shit meme stocks and no wild theories. Just to answer this question, of all the great companies out there, we cover a lot of them here at Analyze. We cover 460 tech stocks in our catalog. There's a lot of great firms out there. Is this really the one you want to hang your hat on? So just to conclude, social media is chock full of absolute morons peddling whatever honey trap was sold to them by even bigger morons. Bed Bath & Beyond is trying to pursue the ultimate goal of every business, which is to survive. You can't blame them for doing that. And they're going to keep doing that, and they're going to take advantage of retail investors who let them. Bankruptcy seems inevitable, at which time those people who are owed money line up in order of priority to see what's left after liquidation. In the event that happens, shareholders will receive absolutely nothing. Who in their right mind would want any level of ownership in this hot mess? So I've put up another video here that you might be interested in watching, but before you click on that video, please click the Nanalyze logo here on the right. Subscribe to our channel. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to Nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.